A Tuesday morning right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 204. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. A Tuesday morning with so much to get to. It is now November, but the sports calendar continues to rage on. World Series, game number six tonight in Houston, Texas, between the Astros and the Braves. The Braves, a 3-2 series lead. Can they claim a World Series championship tonight? A recap of Monday Night Football and looking at where the NFL postseason picture, yes, playoffs stand at this point of the NFL season as well. And then we move on to college football. The first college football playoff rankings of the season are released tonight. A lot to get to and a lot to know. Also, some NBA action as well. We have a great guest list for you throughout this morning after, all the way up to noon Eastern time right here on the grid. And it starts with two hours of the morning after becoming the early after, right here on Sirius XM Channel 204, because the early after rains on with one of the co-hosts of the early line. It is Kevin Walsh, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern time before us on the morning after each and every day. Kevin, a pleasure to have you here for another edition of the early after. Excited to be on the program. No place I'd rather be on a Tuesday morning. And as you said, Ben, there is just so much to get to here. The Kansas City Chiefs continue to look meh at best. The World Series, of course, a game six tonight where you get that must-win vibe for both. Obviously, it goes without saying for the Astros up against elimination. But how does Atlanta feel if they lose two straight, dropping it with their ace on the mound? And the NBA delivering in every sense of the word. And just the intrigue already for me, so many different teams. The Celtics collapse yesterday, maybe the most notable. So excited to get into it all here today on the early after. Oh, we are going to have much of K-Dubs' NBA breakdown. But we begin by recapping Monday Night Football last night in Arrowhead in Kansas City. The Chiefs, a 10.5-point favorite, desperately not only needing a win, but possibly a cover to reinstill that sense of confidence in the Chiefs. Well, they did win last night, but it wasn't convincing by any means. Kansas City beating the New York Giants last night, 20-17 to inside Arrowhead, using a late field goal from Harrison Butker to seal the win. The butt kicker, two fourth-quarter field goals to give KC that three-point margin, a 20-17 to victory over the Giants. But, Kev, again, not covering a 10.5-point spread. KC this year, 4-4 four and four now straight up, even 500, but just 2-6 and six against the spread. They have been favored in every game. Last night was their first double-digit spread in KC's favor of the season, and it never really seemed like they were close to covering that margin winning by three a win they needed but not in the most convincing of fashion what are you making of kansas city at this point so if i told you right now the top six teams in yards per game were the cowboys the bucks the ravens blank the rams and the bills you'd say all right sounds maybe six best teams in the nfl Who, who's that blank yeah the kansas city chiefs, the chiefs. what's yeah. the problem for the kansas city chiefs ben Nobody turns the football over. That's not hyperbole. More than the Jags, than the Jets, than the Texans. They turn the football over at an unbelievable rate. And it's why they didn't put up a 30 spot against the Giants. And it's why their early season struggles are continuing to bleed into the midway point. 
Absolutely so, as we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the first hour of the morning after, that on this Tuesday, November 2nd, is also the early after. You are listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. I am Ben Stevens, joined by Kevin Walsh, making it this edition of the early after. Kevin, one of the co-hosts of the early line, each and every weekday morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern. You're right, Kev. Kansas City, a total of 19 turnovers so far this season through eight games. That is the most in the NFL. Four more than the Jets, who have the second most at 15 turnovers at this point of the NFL season. Also, Kansas City, 12 penalties last night for over 100 penalty yards. And despite all of that, they hold on for a win. That being said, Kansas City's outlook in the futures market did not get better last night. They were minus 210 earlier on Monday afternoon to make the postseason, even after a victory inside Arrowhead at home last night. Now only minus 182 this morning to make this postseason. So, Kev, I think that the book itself, the public confidence, starting to wane a little bit on Kansas City despite a win on Monday night. And it's understandable, but to be fair, I'm, the, the defense has been bad for the three years that they were the best team in football, essentially. We know the defense is bad. It's all about the turnovers. And we have a three-year sample size of them not turning the football over, Ben. So the question is, will the turnover stop? Can a team this talented, this well-coached on a yearly basis, continue to have the worst injury or the worst turnover luck I've seen? I had back and forth with our good friend Mike Blewett yesterday, saying, ah, Mahomes should have had more picks. Brother. He threw a ball off Jarek McKinnon's face that cost them a touchdown. I don't want to hear that this guy should have more picks. Half of his picks hit wide receivers in the mitt or the face. At some point, Travis Kelsey won't fumble the football. And whenever that comes, Ben, I do believe the fire-breathing dragon will be back in full effect and they will scorch earth. But the problem is, I don't know when that's going to happen. Me neither, because it's been a talk of week by week. We'll get there. The Chiefs just 4-9 against the spread as a home favorite in the last two years. More NFL on trade deadline day. Coming up next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204. I am Ben Stevens alongside Kevin Walsh for the first two hours of today's program, which makes this not just the morning after, it is the early after right here on the grid. And as Kevin and I were discussing prior to the break, Monday night football last night in Arrowhead, the Chiefs get a win they desperately needed, beating the New York Giants 20-17. to Kev, we mentioned the fact that KC had 12 penalties. Well, New York had 10 very costly penalties as well, especially on that late game-winning drive for the Kansas City Chiefs. Regardless, the Chiefs improved to 4-4. Four and four. Sure, they are just 2-6 and six against the spread. And as we look at the confidence in the marketplace surrounding KC right now, we talked about their make playoff odds. Entering last night's game, KC minus 210, over $2 in their favor to make the postseason. Now, minus 182. When you look at the AFC West, not much has changed from where it was entering yesterday's game. 
The Chargers still the favorites right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus 160. Kansas City plus 185. The Raiders not far behind, and they hold the tough spot in the AFC West divisional standings. They are plus 250 in this market. The Denver Broncos, big sellers at the trade deadline, which is today in the National Football League, 13 to 1, the longest odds to win the AFC West right now. So, Kevin, in the marketplace, I think that's the overall question about Kansas City. Not a three-point win against the Giants as a 10.5-point home favorite last night. But where do we feel Kansas City is right now? How do we feel about the Chiefs moving forward? I think the Chiefs are a team that has as high of a ceiling as any team in the NFL. And a question, are they going to ever hit it? I mean, I mean, that's really the question, right? The thing is, they're not paying for their ceiling anymore. Buffalo is plus 220 to win the AFC. The Chiefs mm. are 6-1. to one to win the AFC. You mentioned the division odds. Chiefs aren't even the favorites for the division anymore. You're not paying your typical Chiefs tax in the futures market. The Chiefs were sub six to one to win a Super Bowl before the season started. And we talked about it at the open. If you look at the yardage, the Chiefs should be doing a lot more. That's not hyperbole. It's not just blind faith in them. They actively should be doing more, but they are turning the ball over at an impossible to understand rate when you consider talent plus coaching. And if that regresses, which by the way, it's fair to assume it should regress, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they hit the ground running and you're like, oh man, remember when we foolishly thought this team wouldn't win the AFC West? By the way, if you had the Raiders as the favorites to win the AFC West, okay, fine. What are you doing with the Chargers? I mean, come on. They're four and three. Brandon Staley is simply the most overpriced human being that's ever been overpriced in a single awards market in my life. Wouldn't be a top 10 coach of the year candidate on my board, much less a top five, much less a favorite. Get the Chargers out of here with an AFC West type. What? Plus 160. I mean, Ben, listen, I don't know if you've been breaking down coach of the year, but Brandon Staley's argument is what? is 6-1. to one. He has a better argument than Bill Belichick, who outcoached him as he came off of a bye with a rookie quarterback. He has a better argument than Sean Payton, than Mike Vrabel, than Cliff Kingsbury, than Matt LaFleur. No, 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 no. Obviously not. Get Brandon Staley out of there, man. Come on now. I mean, the Chargers only a two-and-a-half-point road favorite against your Philadelphia Eagles this upcoming Sunday. If that's not an indication of where L.A. truly is, then I'm not sure what the marketplace is saying about the Chargers still being the favorites to win the AFC West at plus 160. The Chiefs, meanwhile, a very daunting stretch here moving forward over the next seven games for Kansas City, and it starts just less than six days away against the Green Bay Packers at home in Arrowhead. The Chiefs right now, of course, a one-point favorite still against Green Bay this upcoming Sunday. But Kevin... It is NFL trade deadline day, and the NFL Newswire was a bumping yesterday. Injury news and a blockbuster trade between the Denver Broncos and the Los Angeles Rams. The Broncos sending star edge rusher Vaughn Miller to Los Angeles. The Rams sending back to 2022 
draft picks on that second day, a second and third round 2022 draft pick from LA. In return, they get Vaughn Miller, who led the Broncos up until this point of the year with four and a half sacks and seven tackles for loss. So LA adds to that defense. We mentioned how the market is not looking all that favorably on the Kansas City Chiefs right now. After this blockbuster deal yesterday, the market is certainly looking favorably for the LA Rams. When you look at their updated team win total on the FanDuel Sportsbook, the Rams already have seven wins this year. They are seven and one straight up. Their updated team win total is 12 and a half on the FanDuel Sportsbook, and the over has a ton of juice at minus 140. Then you look at their odds now in the NFC West division. Even money, plus 100. Better than where they were entering this trade yesterday at plus 115. And their odds to win the NFC Conference Championship, plus 330. Also growing shorter after the Vaughn Miller deal. And making the Tampa Bay Buccaneers move back from plus 290 to plus 310 as the favorite. So, Kev, Vaughn Miller now in Los Angeles. What does this mean for the LA Rams? Look, the Rams an interesting team coached by Sean McVay, who also has a much better case than Brandon Staley for coach of the year. I'll leave it there. Here's the interesting thing about the Rams is every single year they make a trade for a bona fide star and people go, oh, that's going to catch up to them. Yeah, I'm still waiting because they just keep making the playoffs every year, man. And the second round and third round picks they sent out we're going to combine for zero snaps in this team's run to a Super Bowl. And speaking of a run to a Super Bowl, I think sometimes people need to take a deep breath and really think about what they're saying. Oh, the Rams are all in this season. What are the Bucks? What are the Packers? Rodgers is ready to leave, man. Are the Packers not all in? Are, are the Bucks okay with a Super Bowl window closing? It, with only one Super Bowl? Are the Arizona Cardinals under the impression that they'll just be at the top of the NFC West forever? That's not how this works. Every team in the NFL is all in every year. Give me a team whose Super Bowl window lasts a decade. This isn't the NBA. The only team that's ever done that was the Pats and Brady. Look at the Chiefs. Look at the Chiefs right now. I mean, we're talking about a bang 500 group. We don't know what that team's going to present as this season continues. A credit to the Rams for basically continuing to prove that cap space is a myth, and every single year you should continue to try to win a Super Bowl. Because at the end of the day, the world where we're going, huh, bold of the Rams to look to win a Super Bowl, is a world where people need to wake up and realize the Rams are the only one doing this thing right. Absolutely so. The LA Rams have not had a first-round draft pick since 2016 when they drafted Jared Goff first overall. They only have three total picks in this upcoming 2022 NFL draft. A fifth-rounder and two seventh-rounders. They are all in win now, but they have been for the past four to five years. And this team is looking very, very good, especially in the futures market. Again, moving from plus 115 to even money, plus 100 in the NFC West. Still the second shortest odds behind the Arizona Cardinals, who are the odds-on favorites at minus 120. Also, tons of movement in the NFC Conference Championship market, down by 70 cents from 4 to 1 to plus 330, also making the Bucks move back to plus 310. I think, Kevin, that's more of an indication of where the the Rams are aiming to get to than even the NFC West divisional market. And by the way, the Rams will host 
the Tennessee Titans on Sunday night football this upcoming weekend, laying seven and a half at home against the Tennessee Titans, who we also got the breaking news yesterday during our program. Derrick Henry out for the remainder of the year, or at least that's what it seems like. He is having foot surgery on that broken bone in his foot. So the Tennessee Titans getting seven and a half on the road. They won four straight, covered in three straight as underdogs when we come back on the other side of the break it's time to turn our attention to major league baseball world series game number six preview that's next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Right back here on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204, alongside Kevin Walsh for not one, but two hours here on the morning after, becoming the early after on this Tuesday. I am Ben Stevens. Sure, it is November 2nd right now, a Tuesday morning for you all out there, but it is still October baseball. World Series game number six, back in Houston tonight. The Astros down by a game, but a game six favorite on their home field tonight against the Atlanta Braves. The Astros have had market movement in their favor since this line opened up following game number five on Sunday night. Now, as it stands on the FanDuel Sportsbook, even four cents more of movement from where it was earlier this morning. I saw Kev, Houston minus 126. Now, the latest update on the FanDuel Sportsbook, the Astros, a home minus 130 favorite versus the Atlanta Braves, who are plus 110 on that money line. The over-under total has remained the same at eight and a hook, the over has more juice at minus 118. Market movement in the Astros' favor because they're home tonight in game number six. Kevin, do you agree with this market movement in Houston's favor? I don't know if I disagree. It's tough, man. Does Max Freed stink? To me, this all People is about Max Freed. Like, and, and a lot of, and they're asking the right questions. They're asking the tough questions. If, if memory serves, Max Freed allowed 11 earned runs over the final two months of the regular season and proceeded mm. to give up now 10 earned in his last two outings here in the playoffs. Now, you might say, yeah. well, hey, man, Dodgers and the Strohs. Well, the Astros are still the team that he's going against here. So, no, that, that doesn't lessen the blow. In, in a very odd way, but to almost simplify it, I almost feel like the entire game comes down to an Astros team total. Where if mm. you are fading Max Freed, the Astros over four runs is a bet that I imagine you absolutely love at home against a pitcher they've hit before. But if you're trusting Freed tonight, I would believe then that you would prefer this under at, at a plus number as well at four. Maybe you'd be able to get a four and a half if you wait and see how the number moves. I just don't know who likes Atlanta tonight. And maybe I'm wrong. But they like Atlanta because they're going to score seven, eight, nine runs in this baseball game. They need Max Freed to step up here, man. And I'd like to say I, I trust him to do so. It's tough. Do you go over what was a strong season? Or do you go over two outings, one against this very team that had their way with him? 
a very strong second half to the season. Did not lose a single start in the final two months of the regular season for the Atlanta Braves, did Max Freed. In fact, he had a 1.36 ERA in the month of August, a 1.54 ERA in the month of September. In the 11 starts that Max Freed made in the final two months of the regular season, the Braves won 10 of those 11 games. But in his most recent two starts here in the playoffs, gave up seven earned runs in his second start against the Dodgers in the NLCS. He gave up six earned runs against the Houston Astros in game number two of this World Series. Five innings pitched, six earned runs on seven hits. They have six strikeouts, only allowing one walk, but got roughed up by that Houston lineup. On the other side for the Astros starting tonight, it is Luis Garcia, who his most recent two starts in the postseason have really been spectacular for a guy that not much was expected maybe at this point of the year, but they have needed to fill in the arms of that Houston starting staff in the postseason. Luis Garcia started game number three, three and two-thirds, only one earned run on three hits, six strikeouts, did walk four Braves, but still a relatively good start for Luis Garcia. They did not win that game to the Astros as the Braves' entire pitching staff was better. Atlanta won that game 2-0. Luis Garcia also threw a, a gem in game number six, that clincher in the American League Championship Series against the Red Sox. Five and two-thirds, a one-hit shutout, striking out seven. So that makes the strikeout props tonight, Kevin, a little bit enticing to me. Max Freed, Six strikeouts, game number two, against these very Houston Astros. Luis Garcia, six strikeouts, game number three, against these very Atlanta Braves. Also seven strikeouts in that game, six clincher. Both pitchers tonight, both starters, their K props, four and a half, both with plus money to the over. A little bit less plus money for Max Freed, plus 132 to the over of that four and a half, plus 134 for Luis Garcia to go over that four and a half strikeout prop. Now it is postseason baseball. It's a do or die game for really both of these teams right now. So it does make a strikeout prop a little bit harder to dive in on. But Kev, I think with the plus money, there might be some value tonight. At the end of the day, when you get plus prices, right? You're not paying through the note. If you swap the juice, I don't think you'd be laying either number, right? But the fact that you're getting plus 134, specifically on a Garcia, who has been over that number in two straight postseason outings, but more importantly, struck out six Atlanta batters in three and two-thirds innings pitched in the game that he saw them earlier during this World Series. It makes it enticing that he can get it done quickly. What's really interesting, though, is a market under a hits and runs tab on the FanDuel Sportsbook tonight for the hits allowed by these two pitchers. Garcia under three and a half hits has cashed now in three consecutive outings. And what's beautiful about that market is there are countless ways for you to cash that ticket. Garcia could be amazing, like he was against Boston. He could be adequate, like he was against Atlanta. He could also be horrible, like he also was against Boston. Walk too many batters, and the Astros go, yeah, our season's on the line. You're done. Like, this guy might walk Eddie Rosario in the opening at bat, and they go, that's enough, huh? How do you get out of here? (laughs) And this guy goes under three and a half hits allowed. And the freed one, though, is impossibly enticing. Five and a half, plus 126 to the over. The over is hit in three straight outings, allowing eight hits, eight hits, and seven hits against the Astros. Why freed is interesting. And I don't know, Ben, where you'll land on this. I think Donnie and I maybe disagreed a little bit this morning. Is the leash that Max Freed will have in this Mm. game. 
You never want to punt on a World Series game, and I'm not saying that the Braves would, but you have Game 7 in your pocket. You need every arm under the sun available, especially when you consider this team lost a guy like a Charlie Morton. When you consider that Ian Anderson is not a guy that they go out there and say, hey, give us seven, eight innings. They pulled that man with a no-hitter. If Freed is getting hit a little bit, I'm not sure he leaves. It almost feels like Max Freed is going to be out there for at least five innings, over five and a half hits allowed against this Astros lineup, jumps off the page, another plus price, as you were mentioning, Ben. Kev, I was going to bring that up because there is a small precedent for it in game number two with how Brian Snicker managed his starting pitcher in Max Freed. Again, he got roughed up, but he still went five innings. He gave up six earned runs on seven hits, allowing him to go over this K-prop of four and a half finishing with six strikeouts game two very different than game six in trying to bring about a winner take all game seven when you are away from home but I think Kevin brings up a good point that Max Freed might not have as short of a leash as does Luis Garcia tonight because the Astros can ill afford a loss where if the Braves did lose this game yes all the jokes about Atlanta and the horrors of that sports town trying to close out anything meaningful would certainly come up and rear their ugly heads for a game seven but I do believe there is credence to that notion that Max Fried might have an inning left in the tank, even if it is not the most spectacular pitching performance for the lefty on the bump tonight. Kev, here's one more prop area that I am looking for game number six of this World Series. Austin Riley to record two or more total bases tonight is plus money. It's plus 120. Austin Riley has been phenomenal this entire postseason, really the entire season, for the Atlanta Braves at the hot corner. And when you look at those two or more total bases, this is something Austin Riley has done in four of the five games already in this World Series. In his last two games at home in Atlanta, game four and game five, he was five for eight at the dish. He is really, really hot right now, and they're giving you plus money to get two or more total bases. He hits one double tonight, done, boom, cash that ticket, plus 120. He walks and gets a single, boom, done, cash that ticket at plus 120. Again, it's the plus money value that entices mm-hmm. me on a couple of these prompts, including the I, strikeout props tonight. I have one for you. You're talking plus money here, right? We let we alerted people going into yeah. the World Series, and the trend has not been stopped whatsoever. So Jose Altuve to record a run is minus 125, something that he has done in 10 of 15 games. Yeah, that's not plus money. Jose Altuve to record two or more runs is plus 550. He has done that in three of the five games in the World Series and nine of the 15 postseason games the Astros have played. Plus 550, hitting at a 60% rate. If you hit at 60% on minus 110 bets, they build you statues in Vegas, I've been told. You're hitting at 60% on a plus 550. And the thing is, Ben, it makes sense. He's the leadoff hitter in a team that constantly scores four to five to six runs. Oh, and also, unfortunately, he constantly hits bombs, which is always a run on the plate for you as well. 60% at plus 550. If you've been rolling with this Jose Altuve market, I don't know how you're not coming back to the window here tonight on Jose against the Braves. 
You're like Jack Weinberger cashing in on a plus 1760 four-leg college football parlay (laughs) where he's buying drinks for the entire the morning after crew come next week here in New York City. Finally, as you saw there, Kev, the series price right now, Houston is the underdog at plus 200. The Braves, the favorite at minus 240. If you agree with the FanDuel Sportsbook that the Astros should be favored to win tonight, also buy in on that plus 200. You have a plus 200 money line ticket virtually for a winner take all game number seven tomorrow night between the Astros and the Braves. Kevin's a very smart NBA man. We get his thoughts coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 204. I'm Ben Stevens. Kevin Walsh will join us shortly, just figuring out a few technological issues on this Tuesday morning. We will get Kevin's thoughts on the association. Kevin is a very smart person when it comes to a variety of things, especially in the landscape of the sports world. But maybe the NBA is most near and dear to his heart. So we need his expertise and insight to make sense of what we have seen the first two and a half, nearly three weeks now of this NBA campaign. Let's start off with some of the recaps from last night's action. And here in the New York City area at the Mecca at MSG, it was the team from the Great White North, Oh, Canada, the Toronto Raptors coming down here and getting the win against the New York Knicks. The Raptors winning 113 to 104 last night over the New York Knicks. Now Toronto, a perfect 3 and 0 away from home this year and not only just 3 and 0 away from home, the Raps also 3 and road 3 and 0 on the road this year ATS. They have covered by an average margin of 20 and a half points per game. That is the second highest cover margin of any team against the number on the road so far this year. Toronto has been a dog in five of the eight games so far this season, and they have a five and three record against the spread. A huge night for OG and Anobi last night at MSG, a career 36 points, a career high 36 he scored for the Raptors last night. And Julius Randle on the other side for the New York Knicks continues to fill up the stat sheet, 22 points, Nine rebounds for the Knicks. The Knicks scored 34 points in the first quarter, got off to an early lead. It was the Raptors opening up the second half with 38 points in the third that led them to control this ball game from the jump, or from the jump of the second half, I should say, winning by nine, 113 to 104. And again, if you see Toronto as an underdog or even just on the road as it is, a perfect 3-0 away record this year straight up, a perfect 3-0 away record ATS this year, covering by an average margin of 20.5 points per game. As we rattle off some of the other games from last night in the Eastern Conference, the Chicago Bulls continue to win games, and they do so in a dramatic comeback way last night in TD Garden against the Boston Celtics. The Chicago Bulls were down by 19 points about midway through that third quarter against the Seas last night, and they come back to win in a big way, winning by double digits, 128-114 over Boston last evening up in Boston. Chicago also a perfect number on the road this year. 3-0 away from the United Center. The Celtics 0-3 winless at home 
at TD Garden. Chicago, not only 6-1 straight up, 6-1 against the spread. That is the best record against the number at this current point in all of the NBA. Kevin, I'm glad I can welcome you back right now for what mm-hmm. Chicago has done up until this point of the regular season. 6-1 and one straight up, the same record the 96-97 Bulls started with, 6-1 and one back in that season, and 6-1 and one against the number. A huge comeback last night against the Boston yeah. Celtics. A huge night for DeMar DeRozan, leading all scores with 37 points. And shout out to my guy, Io DeSumo. 14 points off the bench for the Bulls. Six of six, perfect from the floor. Two of two, perfect from beyond the arc. The former Illinois fighting Illini balling out for his hometown team. I, I got to tell you something. You, you responded last night to me celebrating a win total over or a team total over for the Bulls last night with my AO stats saying this is a Big Ten tweet. So whenever you and I can yeah. collab on some positive NBA news with the Big Ten, I'll gladly take it. For the Bulls, this is a game why you really can make the case about them being legitimate. It's about talent in the NBA, and they have it. Zach Levine's very, very good and wasn't great in this game. But Nikola Vucevic almost had a triple-double, one assist shy. And DeMar DeRozan, who has been the best player on every single team he's played on on his NBA career, maybe now the third best guy. And he just checks in for a casual 37 and 7 on 15 of 20 shooting. Oh, and now he shoots threes. I mean, the Spurs got to be sick to their stomach that he's willing to do that. But I got to be honest with you, Ben. The 6-1 and Bulls to me aren't the story. It's the Celtics. Donnie gave me a great stat this morning. The first team in the shot clock era to hold a 14-point or better lead going into a fourth quarter and then lose the game by 14 or more. The Boston Celtics are 2-5, and 0-3, at home they lost brad stevens not to indiana but to their front office and i don't know if he's great in the front office but i know that this team looked a lot better when he was on the sidelines and if you look through this team and you listen to the press conference the silence is deafening from both brown and tatum who didn't make their media availability i brown was expected Mm. to maybe tatum was not marcus smart saying yeah, man, I mean, enough of these two shooting every shot, huh? Let me create a little bit here. Come on, I'm a good passer. You know, watch any of my Oklahoma State film. I mean, this is unbelievable, the reps that I'm not getting out here. But maybe the most concerning thing is that Jalen Brown is playing unbelievable basketball. 34 minutes, 28 points, 10 of 18 shooting, 5 of 8 from downtown, and a plus 1. And yet. Jason Tatum, a team worst, minus 24, 20 point shooting, another awful shooting night from Tatum. And the reality is a very, very good player has been very overrated to open his career. He shoots it a ton and some nights he's on fire, but a lot of nights he isn't and he keeps shooting. And I got to be honest, maybe Marcus Smart, was lessening the blow by bringing Jalen Brown into this. But Jalen Brown isn't the problem. Tatum needs to be much, much better. But also, Ben, do we love the roster? Because they keep doing this thing where they let 15 to 20 point-per-game scorers leave with no return. Because Mm -hmm. Gordon Hayward is in Charlotte, and Kemba is in New York. And Al Horford gave him 20, and it still wasn't enough. 
I don't know what's up with the defense right now. Not good enough. Josh Richardson essentially will never find the form that once was in Miami, it turns out. This is stop number four for him since Miami. The Celtics were supposed to be a perennial Eastern Conference contender. This team's going to be scratching and clawing for a playing spot. Oh, bold words. But do you see the passion that Kevin brings to talking about the National Basketball Association? I am just sitting here and taking in all of this knowledge, trying to grasp it. And it's huge you're getting this from Kevin right now. We are on our third week now of this NBA season. We are laying the foundation, the groundwork to make you profitable by knowing not only the storylines, but the stats and the figures you need to know for the rest of this season in the association to win some money. Because right now, if you bet on the Boston Celtics, you are losing money. Two and five against the spread. Two and three ATS as a favorite as they were last night in a loss to the Chicago Bulls. Meanwhile, Chicago making their way up the Eastern Conference board. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. There was a team that entered last night playing pretty good basketball, but they did lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers. That team, the Charlotte Hornets, entered last night 5-2, and two, laying five points against Cleveland. But the Cavs opened up with 40 points in the first quarter and never looked back. Despite a late comeback from the Hornets, the Cavs win last night by a final score of 113-110. to 110. So the Cleveland Cavaliers, Kevin, 4-4 four and four straight up, but 5-3 and three against the spread. They have been an underdog in every game this year, and they are covering by an average margin of 6.2 points per game. They are also 4-2 ATS on the road as an underdog this year. Maybe Cleveland is a spunky side we need to pay attention to here in the early going of the association. Totally fair. This team is pretty good. And at the minimum, they've got the rookie of the year. Listen, if you factor in odds to continue to play at a certain level, Evan Mobley should be minus 380, not plus 380 for this award. On this mm-hmm. very program, we told you, 13-1. to What were they yeah. doing with that Evan Mobley number? He has been by far and away the best rookie. Because he doesn't look like a rookie at all. He's just that talented. Cade hasn't played a ton of basketball. Scotty Barnes has been good. Was just injured, though. I don't know how long it'll leave him out for. Jalen Green is not good there in Houston. And they're terrible Evan Mobley needs to be, at the minimum, your favorite for this award. Minus 380 is grandiose. That's an outrageous thing to do over a week. But the 13-1 <laughs> to 1 was ridiculous, and him not being the favorite for this award is also ridiculous. But I got to say, Ben, and I wanted to give you this note, because last time you asked me about live betting when it comes to the NBA, you know, and which teams might be interesting. And the Hornets are the greatest team in the history of the NBA because you never have to bet them before the game starts. You simply wait until the half. I don't know what Boriega does at the break. I don't know what LaMelo Ball does. I don't know what Gordon Hayward does. But whatever they do, try and doing it before the game, fellas. I mean, they were getting blown out in this game. And they proceeded to win the second half by 15. They won the second half the other day against Portland by almost 20. They did this in the opening night game against the Pacers. They cut into the Miami lead, even though they lost that game still by a bunch, a lot in the second half. They win second halves. If you, by chance, are just late-night scrolling FanDuel Sportsbook, right? You know how people late-night scroll Twitter? I like to believe that the gamblers out there late-night scroll the FanDuel Sportsbook looking for wagers. And you wait a minute. Is that the Charlotte Hornets? Plus 14 and a half. Click. They just do it every single night, Ben. They do it every single night. 
and they came back and made this game a contest, also pushing it over a total that closed somewhere around 219 and a half, 220. I bring that up because Charlotte has now played six of their eight games in the early going of this season to the over, tied for the highest over percentage in all of the NBA here in this early going. So, Kevin, I brought up the Eastern Conference odds right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. So as we check in with those, you will see the Bulls finding their way up this board. Now the fifth shortest odds to win the East at 18 to 1. The Nets still the favorites at plus 130. The Bucks still there with the second shortest odds at plus 320. The Miami Heat, who we will discuss here in just a little bit, plus 500. And the Philadelphia 76ers, plus 950. What do you make of where the Eastern Conference stands at this point? So I think the... The unfortunate thing for a lot of people is you missed what was a very short window to get in on phenomenal value on Miami. Their numbers have been dropped by half. They should be. They are significantly closer to Brooklyn and Milwaukee than Philly, Chicago, or Atlanta. And that is no slander to Philly, Chicago, or Atlanta. What does this team not have? A head coach who has won an NBA championship a core of players in Jimmy Butler and Ben Bio and Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson who went to the finals not all that long ago. And look at the key additions, Ben. P.J. Tucker just won an NBA mm-hmm. title. Kyle Lowry, a centerpiece of an NBA championship team in Toronto. They're deep. They defend. They can shoot. And they come with title equity in a way that a lot of other teams do not. They deserve to be the third choice. And you could argue, Ben, that they deserve to be still a shorter number than their 5-1 to price for the Eastern Conference. They look amazing 5-1 and against the number and straight up their lone loss in overtime to the Indiana Pacers. The Miami Heat 10-1 to to begin the season, like Kevin mentioned, cut those odds right in half. Now 5-1 to to win the Eastern Conference. We will preview Miami's game tonight on the road against the Dallas Mavericks in our second hour. But to round out our number one, we focus on those Chicago Bulls with the fifth shortest odds to win the East. Does that make sense? Where are the Bulls? We find out and made the public next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out our first hour right here on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 204. Our first hour of the morning after. Also, our first hour on this Tuesday morning of the early after. Because for this first hour and the second, I am Ben Stevens and I am joined by Kevin Walsh, one of the co hosts of the early line. We are discussing the NBA in full right now with Kevin, gaining his expertise in the early going. A team that has been impressive so far in this NBA season the Chicago Bulls. How do you feel about the Chicago Bulls? We find out and fade the public. All right, Kevin, right now the Bulls have the fifth shortest odds on the updated board to win the Eastern Conference at 18 to 1. They are moving up that board and their odds growing shorter by the day. So we asked the question, 
Where would the Chicago Bulls be at the end of this year? Will they make the playoffs, a first-round exit, a conference semifinal appearance, or maybe even a spot in the Eastern Conference Finals? It's actually pretty evenly split along the board right now, but the most of this answer has a first-round exit in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Kevin Walsh, are you feeding the public? Mm. Just a bit here, but perhaps because I had an odd day yesterday, Ben. Yesterday, I checked. I checked the notifications. I'm being slandered. Ha ha. Look at Damar. Yeah, he's terrible. Look at Damar. And I assume this is somehow Donnie Wrightside's fault. But I was being attacked on a day where I bet the Bulls team total over. I, like all Bulls fans, was overwhelmed with Damar DeRozan and this team. So I certainly could not select first round exit. No slander on the Bulls. I said conference semis. I think the East is maybe, you know, still as stronger than some people think. That's a big get if the Bulls get there. But they've earned that so far. Six and one start, beat Utah, competitive in their lone loss to the Knicks. This team looks very, very good. I think conference semis is fair. That's what I selected as well, Kevin Walsh. I am high on the Chicago Bulls. Hour number two of the early after coming up on the other side of the break. More talk about the NBA next.